We've been doing a series called 10 Series. Um, it's 10 weeks. We're asking you, the church, to go to read 10 minutes in your, in your Bible every day uh, for 10 weeks. We had a, we got a reading plan. It's on the Internet. If you still haven't gotten it, there might even be some by the door. We're also asking you to give 10% of your income to God and see what he does with it. We've asked you to go to 10 community groups over this 10 weeks. That's one a week. Um, and if you don't, still don't know yet what a community group is, as if we don't talk about it enough, it's just a, a group that meets during the week of just people in the room, talks about Jesus, prays for each other, what's going on in life, um, communicates, builds relationships. It's life-changing, as you can hear from Angela earlier and so many other people. Um, and then to share ten things that Jesus is teaching you from his word over the next ten weeks. And so what we've been doing is teaching through ten things that strategically have the word ten in them because you have to be creative, right, if you're going to you know, preach and, and lead a church. So this week is week three, titled Attention. Nice, right? Attention. Okay? All right, we're going to look all morning long at Ephesians 5. So if you've got your Bibles with you, um, turn to Ephesians 5. Because we're going to read a couple verses over and over and over again. You, you're probably going to get tired of it. And me. Um, okay, the big idea of the morning is this. And, and it, does anybody still need some notes? Um, please raise your hand if you need some notes and or a pen. We really want you taking notes um, so that you're not limited to just this morning, but you can take this and go along. There's also, um, if you see that um, QR code on your notes, if you have a, a scanner on your phone or your tablet, you can scan that and get the um, outline of the morning. It's what? It's not? Okay. Cool. Never mind. Um, if you just want to turn that into, like, connect the dots, that'll work, too. Um, but does anybody need notes? Scan it later today, and then it's going to have all the scriptures and all the things in it, and it's going to help you through this week, and it's going to have some very important questions, too, that we're going to ask all morning long. Anybody? We're good? Ready to roll? Anybody need a pen? Okay, cool. The big idea for the morning is this. Where your attention goes... Your identity follows. Where your attention goes, your identity follows. You could also sub in the word time for attention, but time doesn't have the word ten in it. So we say this morning to you, where your attention goes, your identity follows, okay? Question number one, what do you give your attention to and does it deserve it? What do you give your attention to, and does it deserve it? We're going to ask a lot of questions um, today, and then hopefully over the next week, you're going to ask a lot of those same questions to yourself often. Um, think of your time as if everything in life that takes up your time as a, as a bank, and you've got a finite amount of time, just like we've all got a finite amount of money, right? And you're making deposits of your time. The overall thought of this morning is, Am I making a good deposit, a good return on my investment? Okay? So the big idea, where your attention goes, your identity follows. All right. So you're in Ephesians 5. 
Let me read that scripture to us real quick, and then we're going to do some, a, little bit, a little bit of backstory. Ephesians 5.15. I'm reading it out of the NIV version right now. Um, 15 says, Be very careful then how you live. Some versions will say how you walk. Like not physically walk, but walk through life. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, or some versions might say the most of your time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful how you spend your time. Use it wisely. Okay? A little bit of backstory. The church in Ephesus um, was one of the biggest churches in the, in the time of um, while the New Testament was being written. Uh, Ephesus was a major um, metropolitan area. Uh, it, was a, it was a giant place, one of the biggest churches in the world. It was in what they called at that time Asia. Um, Paul, uh, a lot of his ministry went through Ephesus. And Acts 19, you can look it up later, gives an account of some of the things that happened in Ephesus. It was just an evangelistic hub. Things were happening like crazy for Jesus right there. And a lot for the gospel was being accomplished in the church of Ephesus. Um, and what you see in the New Testament, Paul uh, wrote a bunch of letters to different churches and some to individuals. And a lot of, a lot of letters were being written. And if you've read in your Bible much, you've noticed a lot of things are being addressed. Like he's, he or whatever author is calling things out, is addressing some kind of sin, some kind of wrongdoing in a church or in a person's life. Like, for example, it might be your church is too divided. You've, you've let things come in and separate you. You need to fix that. You are too religious. Quit telling this guy that he can't eat beef because you feel bad about it. Just eat the beef. It's good. Beef's good, right? It is good. It's yummy. Um, like, weird things like, stop sleeping with your mom. Like, should you really have to write a letter to a church about that? It's really in there. Like, stop doing sick things like that, you freak. Um, Paul's always writing these letters to correct things. He does, you don't find that in Ephesus. He writes this letter to the Ephesians, and it's pretty much an encouraging book to a healthy, thriving church. And um, if you want to sum up the whole book, I kind of summed it up in a sentence. Great job, church, but don't get content. Keep striving for excellence. That's Ephesians, okay? And so he puts this warning in there, and I'll read it again. It's near the end of the book in chapter 5. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Okay? All right, number one on the page. You should have some blanks. Those blanks are this. Number one, here's what we want you to do so that you can start a journey of using your time wisely. Number one is track your attention. Track your attention. Track your attention. And again, what has your attention and does it deserve it? All right, let's build a little scenario here. All right, the average adult in the room sleeps, what, six hours a day, right? Now, I know some of you were, some of you, there's two different spectrums. Some of you were like, six hours, that's nuts. I only need two and a good cup of coffee. And you woke up smiling. And you, you wiggle a lot. And you just, 
just can't stop. This is just you. This is you on two hours. Woo-hoo. Some of you are like, my eyes literally do not open if I don't get eight. Like seven hours and 59 minutes physically do not open. Anybody like that? Right? Yeah, I understand that. I'm kind of, I've always been kind of an early to bed, late to rise person, which is not very productive, but it's, it's nice. Like, if I could get a job where somebody would pay me to sleep, I would, I would get a raise in a hurry. I mean, I'm fantastic at it. I'm really good at it. You can ask Jennifer. Um, just like out of nowhere, man, I can, I can just turn it on, sleep. But for the sake of scenario, six hours, okay, on average, we spend sleeping in our day. For the sake of scenario, and the same deal here, eight hours we're going to spend working. Some of you, it's like 14. Some of you work like 25 hours out of a 24-hour day. I don't know how you do it. It doesn't really make sense. Some of you work like maybe not all. I don't know. Somewhere in between a job, let's say, takes eight hours. If you're a college student or a student at all, let's just say your school um, takes eight hours. Some of you are on sports teams. Soccer takes like your whole life, right? It's just never over. Um, Just insert XYZ there. For the sake of scenario, we've had six hours of sleep and eight hours to work, leaving you with mental math. How much is left? Ten. Woohoo! Isn't that, like, perfect? I didn't even notice that until right now. Just, the Lord's all over it, right? Um, You've got ten hours left, okay? And here's what we're going to do with our last ten hours. We're going to be mom or dad. We're going to be a husband or a wife. We're going to be son or daughter. We're going to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Hopefully not if you're a mom, I mean a husband or a wife. You're not being a boyfriend or girlfriend or we need to talk later. I need to write a letter to you. Um, let's see, stop it. you got to be a niece, an uncle, a grandson, um, somebody's cousin. And if that wasn't enough, you're also building relationships with friends. You're also being missionaries and doing what the Bible tells us to and building relationships with people that don't follow Jesus so that you can minister and pour into their lives and share the gospel to them. You're, oh yeah, you're pursuing Jesus. You're having, spending time with him, being intimate with Jesus, pursuing relationship with him. And then you probably still have to eat, right? Anybody like to eat? Kind of likes beef? All right, you still have to eat. You still need to practice good hygiene. See, the cool part of being about a guy a young unmarried guy is you don't have to practice good hygiene so you can eat twice as much. Like that's the, it's not good advice and you shouldn't do that. It just kind of happens and just go to college. Oh, you might want to mow the grass, vote, buy groceries, wash a car, feed the dog, go to the dentist, birthdays, weddings, funerals, church, um, all of these different things that are just part of our life, right? And fill in the blank. Like, you thought of a hundred more things already. And some of you are type A, so you started making a list. My wife started making mental notes, I guarantee you, of things that have to get done for this week. Like, some of you started making a list, and you thought of a hundred different things, right? What else has to get done? Okay, you can participate later. A lot of other things need to get done. Um, and I didn't even list things like wash... A dish, fold a towel, clean a toilet. You know, all the good things that keep you off hoarders, the show, Buried Alive, you might have seen that. There's just a lot of life that has to happen in a very small amount of time. And I'm calling these the non-negotiables, right? You can't really take these out, right? 
Like, you can't really, like, not feed your kid because you're studying the Bible, right? No soup for you. Right? Anybody? The reference? Greatest episode ever. You can't, like, you can't avoid doing the essential parts of life and just say, I'm just pursuing Jesus. So, you know, my appendix ruptured and it really hurts, but Bible study? Like, like we're not asking you to do that, right? These are just non-negotiable parts of our, of our life, things that you can't strip out of your life. We haven't even gotten to the free time, right? We haven't even gotten to the hobbies. I'm calling, like, time killers this morning. We haven't even gotten to that. We've gotten all these, non-essential, all these essential things in the 10 hours we've got left in our day. And then we've got stuff left like, maybe I want to watch a TV show. Maybe I want to watch um, rednecks do weird, funny things and occasionally make a duck call. I don't know. It's everybody's favorite show. Um, you all know what I'm talking about. And it just came out of nowhere. Right? Duck Dynasty. They're so reading that stuff, but I can't stop watching it. I know it. They're reading it. I can't stop. Um, maybe you uh, will spend time browsing on the web, reading blogs, watching sports, playing sports, sports practices, reading magazines, books, newspapers, fantasy football. Anybody? Can I make a confession to you? Fantasy football used to take a, a lot bigger of a role in my life than it should have. And if, if you're not familiar with what fantasy football is, it's this thing that losers, I mean, it's this thing that people do on the internet, me being one of them, and you, you, you make this, like, virtual team of real football players, and if they do good on Sunday, then your team does good. And you might beat somebody else's virtual team of loser real thing. And so I used to be, like, really good at fantasy football, and then, like, literally, I'm not even joking, like, that's how D-U-M-B I am. I have to spell the word D-U-M-B because my daughter's in here and I can't ever say the word anymore, D-U-M-B. It just comes out like that. That's how I am is that the Lord actually had to convict me to not spend as much time on fantasy football. I suck. I know. Um, as a result, I had just so happened to finish 3-11 and 11 this year, finish last place. I'm used to winning a lot. Um, but speaking of that, Paul, if you'll come up here for a minute. Coincidentally, I don't know what this means. Who spent no more time than Phil did. Right. It just happened. (laughs) Is now the 2012 champion, fantasy football regular season champion. Thank you, sir. Paul Jenkins. May she bode you well. May she be happier, a happier part of Wendy's home than she was Jennifer's. (laughs) Mrs. Butterworth. Staring all creepily at you, celebrating fake football. Amen. Okay, so things like that, fancy football, playing music, listening to music, shopping, maybe you're lifting weights at the gym, video games. I know there are some gamers in here. 
Other confession, I went to college and I'm a guy, so I spent more time playing video games than anything else, even eating and sleeping, and especially going to class, even though I finished with A's because I was really good at going to class, but better at playing video games. Look, here's this list of things that there's nothing inherently evil about those things, right? Like, there's nothing evil about a magazine, right? Or you reading it. Maybe if that magazine is like pornography, yes, it's evil and it's sinful, but a magazine itself, nothing evil about that. There, there's nothing evil about um, watching a TV show. These things aren't inherently bad. It's what we do with them that make them inherently bad, that, that make them bad parts of our lives, what people do with these things that make them um, wrongdoing. So I'm making this list of things. They're just kind of things that we kill time with. They're not essentials. They're not bad things. They're just a part of our life, right? And I left out, like, the biggest one in the room. Which one did I leave out? Come on. Somebody said shower. Oh, come on. Well, texting's a good one. If you think of any more that I missed. How about Facebook? Raise your hand. All right. My dad used to call it book face, which is still awesome. Um book face. Raise your hand if you're on Facebook at like at, for at least one second a day. Almost the whole room. Okay. Um, there's nothing wrong with Facebook, right? But it's a part of our life. And if we took it out, our life wouldn't be over, right? So it's a non-essential. And speaking of Facebook, how often does this happen to you? How many of you get on Facebook on one day and you see one thing and you go watch that one thing and then that thing turns into the suggestion bar and then you watch that next thing and then that next thing, and you spend an hour watching things that gave a good laugh or was something fun to read, but before you know it, an hour is gone. Like, can I just confess that you that finding the perfect video that didn't work out this morning, I literally spent an hour. And then I looked up, and I looked at the clock, and I was like, you just did the thing that you're trying to warn people not to do. And you wasted all this time. See how easy it is to take these, these things and plug them in and just get carried away and waste all this time. And you thought of a hundred different things. Maybe you need to make some notes of them as you go along. Um, before we go on, I want if, if you really want to blow your mind, there is, there'll, there'll be a link to follow up on Facebook later. It won't be one that wastes your time. Um, and then it should be somewhere. It'll be on this outline. It's a PDF in Google that's called Track Your Attention. And if you print it off, it's hour by hour for an entire week. All right, and that sounds kind of cumbersome, right? But if you're, if you're up for the challenge of just logging what you do for a week, like, just give it a shot. Like, commit it to the Lord and say, God, help me, like, to remember to do this for a week. Follow this link, print it out, fill in everything that you do hour by hour. Like, six of those hours, you'll be sleeping, so it's cool you, you don't have to write. Um, it might be a very eye-opening and life-changing thing for you to step back after a week and say, wow, look what I did with my very, very precious time. Okay? You don't have to do that. Nobody's checking in with you. If you do and you want to share some thoughts on it, let us know or share some at your community group. And if you need help getting to that link later, let us know. All right, one more time, Ephesians 5.15. I'll read it to you one more time. Be very, very careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of all of your time because the days are evil. All right, so 
You got your notes. Are you ready for me to give you the list of things that you don't need to do because that they're bad and they're a waste of your time? You ready? I say, ready! ready! Are you ready for me to give you the list of how much to do certain things, what's appropriate, holy amounts of time, and what's too much? You ready? Say, ready! ready! I'm not going to do it. Here's why. A, Jesus didn't, okay? So if I go doing something that Jesus didn't instruct, then I'm a Pharisee, and you know how Jesus felt about Pharisees, right? And I don't want to, like, I don't want him to kill me. So I'm not going to stand in here and just preach things to you that aren't true and put burdens on you that don't belong. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We want to ask some questions, and I've got questions that I want you to write down that you're going to ask yourself and um, ask yourself often over the next week if you desire to make the most of your time and live wisely. Okay, Jesus didn't tell us how many hours of TV is okay. He didn't say make sure you spend X number of hours with your kids. He didn't say read your Bible three hours and pray for four every day. If you did, I have no doubt that fantastic things would happen to you. He didn't say quit playing video games. I want to tell you that just because I had to tell myself that. And I don't think you lose out on anything if you did stop. But he didn't say stop, so I'm not going to tell you to stop playing video games even though I really, really want to tell you that. He didn't tell you to only check up on like five Facebook friends a day. So I'm not going to give you this list so that you walk as wise men. I want you to write down some questions. So are you really willing to just write down a few questions and then revisit them this week? A healthy relationship with Jesus starts with an honest evaluation of yourself. A healthy relationship with Jesus starts with an honest evaluation of yourself. And we're all, would you all be willing to say that I've got some time I can get back, I can take back, I can make some alterations in my life so that less of me is pursuing myself and more of my life is pursuing Jesus? Would we all be honest enough to say that, right? We're all in the same boat? We're all in the same boat this morning. Okay? Write down this scripture, 1 Corinthians 10.23. 1 Corinthians 10.23. It's kind of a great... Rule of thumb for us when we're talking about this. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, I'll read it to you. Paul says, I've got the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I've got the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Some might say fruitful. Some might say productive. Everything is lawful for me. Not everything is worth doing. Not everything is beneficial. A great rule of thumb to, to hold on to, to pour over as we think and talk about this. So let's start with the questions. Write this down. What happens to the things you give your attention? What happens to the things you give your attention to? And while you're writing, what do you think? You are free to shout things out here at the gathering. They increase. Okay? You get better at it. Yes, absolutely true. You get better at it. Practice makes perfect, right? You found my notes. Nice. See, that's a, that's a good guy right there. 21st century learner. That's 21st century, right? Okay. He went and searched for him. What else happens to the things you give your attention to? 
they, they become more important. You spend your time on them increases. They flourish. They can be, how about this? They can become an idol. The things you give your attention to can become an idol. You can jot down 1 Corinthians 10:14 for that if you want. What you give your attention to will flourish. What you ignore will waste away. Is that a fair statement? I tried to think of where that didn't fit. I'm sure there's something. You probably have thought of it because you're smarter than me. But what you give your attention to will flourish. What you ignore will waste away. Anything else? What happens when, when you give your attention to something? What happens to it? Anything else? Sometimes you learn what it's really all about and you get rid of it. It's great. What's that? People start paying attention to what you, you're paying attention to. Become habits. Habits aren't always a bad thing, right? There's plenty of good habits. Like the hygiene. Young men. Single men. Um, another question. Write this down. When you're trying to decide, we don't have to write that down. When you're trying to decide if something's worthy of your time, ask this question. Write this question down. Does it bear fruit? Does it bear fruit? And out beside of that, you can put Mark 11. So if you're trying to decide, is this worthy of my time? Should I spend my time on this? Maybe I should get rid of it. Ask yourself, does it bear fruit? If you remember, like uh, last week, I think you read Mark 11, and Jesus was hungry. And he came to a fig tree that didn't have any figs. And he got mad at that fig tree. He cursed that fig tree. It withered up and died. And the disciples were like, I don't understand why he did that. And Jesus was like, it wasn't producing fruit. So what, what good was it? It wasn't worth anything. So I got rid of it. Um, you can also jot down 1 Corinthians 10.23. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you. Um, but I want you to be able to go look back at these later. That's the one about that we just read. Everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. So does it bear fruit? Does anything good happen because I do it? If the answer is no, that doesn't mean you need to get rid of it, but it might be something to think about. Another question. Write this down. And this one's pretty cut and dry. Will this lead me into sin? Will this lead me into sin if I do it? That's going to be very different. That's a case-by-case thing. Will it lead me into sin? Write down Mark 9, 43 through 48. Mark 9, 43 through 48. That's where Jesus says crazy things like, if your hand is going to make you sin, you might want to cut it off. And if your eyes are going to make you sin, you better pull them out. And you better pull out all the stops so that you don't fall into sin. Okay? Will this lead me into sin? If there's one chance, 1% chance it leads you into sin, don't do it. Okay? That might be a great question to ask. Here's another question to ask. Is this a mature and responsible use of my time? Is this a mature and responsible use of my time?
And I know you're writing down a lot of stuff. I know this is different for a lot of people because you're used to just a pastor just preaching to you and then you get to leave. But what we really want here um, is for you to be working at your faith on your own. Like, this can't just be a booster shot for you, right? Like, it needs to, you need to own your faith um, as you go along um, in this. Um, so that's why we want you really looking into this stuff throughout this week. Is this a mature and responsible use of my time? Write down, this is a biggie, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Let me read it to you. Young men, hear this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. When I was a child, I acted like a child. When I became a man, I acted like a man. Okay? Here's another question. What examples does your use of time set? What example does it set for others, like we mentioned earlier? Here's another question. Do I believe Jesus is getting enough of my time? How about if you answer that? Do I think Jesus is getting enough of my time? That's something to pray and ask God about. And just think about this. If you sacrificed one thing in your life and filled it with more Jesus, do you think you'd regret it? I don't think you would. I could be wrong. I would invite you to try that. If I just replaced one thing with more Jesus, I'm pretty positive you won't regret it. Um, and then the last question I want you to write down is... What could you sacrifice to make more room for Jesus? What could you sacrifice to make more room for Jesus? I'll tell you one thing, a couple of things for me, like it was little things like don't spend so much time wasting your time on fantasy football, stop playing video games, um, cut out some of the sleep, and trust that Jesus can be your rest. So start getting up at this hour, regardless of how. D U and B you were and went to sleep so late the night before, just trust that Jesus can handle it. Um, if if sleep is one that's cutting you to the heart this morning, write down Proverbs six, verses six through eleven. Proverbs six, verses six through eleven. And then also thirteen four. And again, this is all in the notes that you can get later. What else? What else could you sacrifice? Jesus did enough of the sacrificing, right? He did enough, right? That's not a trick question. He did the hard work. Maybe it's time for you to do a little sacrificing of your own. Okay. And then you might, you probably won't want to write this one down, but because I'm a jerk, I'm going to ask these questions because these are the questions that I ask myself a lot. Um, and you're going to hate this question, okay? You ready? If you gave your husband or your wife the attention that you give Jesus, would he leave you? Or would she leave you? And that one hurts bad. 
right? Let me ask it again. If you gave your spouse the attention you give Jesus, would they leave you? And who would, um, here's another question that I ask myself. Who would you be if you would spend all those hours doing this, pursuing Jesus? Can you change things? Eh. No. Can't change the past. Can you change the future? Yeah. Who would you be? Who would I be if I did college different? Past with flying colors. My diploma says something in Latin. It means I got good grades. I'm pretty sure I didn't use my time that wisely. I could have done it better. Who would I be? Who would you be if you changed X, Y, Z in your life? All right, you ready for me to be done? I appreciate your honesty. When I was a child, no, I'm just trying. Um, Let's go back to the big idea. Where your attention goes, your identity follows. So we've tracked our attention, and we spend a lot of time doing it because I really want you thinking about where your time goes. And the second, the second part, a second thing on your notes, you might have already ran out of space, but it is trace your identity. And let's blow through this and be done. It is trace your identity, okay? Put your seatbelts on, let's go, let's get this done. It's easy to be identified by a hobby, a job, a personal characteristic or trait, an obsession, a failed relationship. It's easy for somebody to identify you by those things. Where your attention goes, your identity follows. As followers of Jesus in the room, we want people to identify us with him. I don't want people to say, hey, there's Phil, that guy that's like awesome at playing Halo, because I still really am, and my nephew got it the other day, and I destroyed him. I'm almost a 30-year-old man, and I hadn't played it since college, and I destroyed him. And I thought about going and buying an Xbox, and then I was like, get behind me, Satan. Because my spiritual gift is video. It's bad. Um, what was I saying? Um, we don't want people to identify us with that. I don't want you to be identified as the guy that's got that awesome car or the one that makes all that money working in that job at the bank or fill in the blank. I want you, and you should want you to be identified as that man that loves Jesus, that girl that when I have a question about the Bible, I go ask her, that guy that when I need to be prayed for, I go ask him to pray for me, and he does it like right then because he's one of those crazy people that follows Jesus. That's where our identity needs to be. And the key to this is in Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. So if you're still open to Ephesians 5, look up at verses 1 and 2. And I'll read it to you. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in His love just as Christ loved you and gave Himself up for you. The key to, the key to having your identity in Jesus is imitating Jesus is imitating him. You ever seen a kid imitate his dad? He does everything his dad does. He wears what he wears. He acts like he acts. He eats like he eats. He says the things that he says. He does everything because he loves his dad and his dad is perfect in his eyes. It's the same thing with us. If we imitate our heavenly father who, oh, by the way, is perfect, then we're never going to be imitating something wrong. And we're never going to be carving out the wrong identity for ourselves. Imitate your heavenly Father. You, know, you remember we talked about the Ephesians church at the very beginning. 
Are you with me? Everybody good? We talked about them. Paul said, good job, church. Everything was going great. A few years later, the book of Revelation happens. If you're not familiar with the book of Revelation or the Christian Bible, it's the last Bible, it's the last book in our Bible. And basically it's this. The Apostle John was um, exiled to an island called Patmos, and he got this gigantic, epic vision of the end times by Jesus himself. Okay, And the first thing Jesus did was start writing letters to churches. He wrote letters to the biggest, baddest churches in the land. And the first one was Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. Paul said, I don't have a problem with you. Keep it up. But be wise about what you want your time. A few years later, Jesus says, I got a problem with you. Like, I'm not paraphrasing. Literally, he says, I have this against you, church. You left your first love. This I have against you, the church at Ephesus, you left your first love. What's the church's first love? The good news of Jesus. Jesus Christ being their, their king and savior. How do you leave your first love? Get overwhelmed. Fill your life up with all these other things. Other, thing, other priorities become greater than him and his message. You push them to the side. Apparently that's what the Ephesians church did. They didn't like start worshiping the devil. He didn't say, you started a cult and you burned babies and you stole horses. That's not what Jesus said. He just said, you lost your first love. You left me. I'm not quite as important. You lost your focus in me. They got fat and happy, content, lazy. They wasted their time like me and all of you are so prone to do, lost their focus. Look, here's the, the key to this all, is you can't get on track with this on your own. I've talked to a lot about you of making sure you spend your time wisely. You can't do it on your own. You need the power of God to make that transformation in you. You can't transform your life, but Jesus can. John 15, 4 and 5. John 15, 4 through 5, says this. Jesus says, I, I'm the, I am the vine. You're the branch. You fall off of me, the vine, you can't grow fruit. You stick with me, you grow all kinds of good fruit. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, Jesus saved me. I'm not even me anymore. I died. Jesus is living through me. He does these things through me. You can't do this on your own. You can set out to imitate God, but you need to beg him to enable you to. And you can evaluate your life and your time. That's what I want you to do desperately. You can evaluate it, but you need to trust Jesus to transform it. It doesn't take much to accomplish nothing. Profound, right? It doesn't take much to accomplish nothing. It takes the power of God to accomplish the excellence he seeks in you. Can I sum it up in a metaphor? Oh, Lord, please say yes. It's cold. It's winter. Everybody wore a coat probably today unless you're a middle school boy or something. Think of it like a coat that doesn't fit right. Your life, your time is a coat that doesn't fit right. It might not fit that badly, that poorly, but it still doesn't fit just right. Okay? 
Maybe the sleeves are too long. Maybe when it zips up, you can fit three more people in it. Think of your life and your time as a coat that doesn't fit just right. If you don't have it altered, hear this. If you don't have it altered, it won't ever be the perfect coat. If you try and alter it yourself and you don't get a tailor to do it, you'll probably make it worse. Will it still be a coat if you never alter it? It's not a trick question. Yeah, it's a coat. It's still a coat. If you don't ever change it, it's still a coat. Does it still like, serve purpose? Still keep you warm? Yeah. Might look the UMB on you. Might not fit right, but it's still a coat, right? But it won't be as good as it could be. And it won't be an excellent coat. Church, same with Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus and you don't alter your time, your life, you're still a believer in Jesus? Yes. He still love you? Yes. You don't even have to be a believer in Jesus for him to love you. That's the crazy thing about our faith. He loved you before he created you. If you don't, if you start doing more things in your life, more holy things, is he going to love you more? No. If you start doing less things for God, is he going to love you less? No. It's just how he works. You're free to pursue him as much or as little as you'd like. But if you don't pursue him more, your relationship won't be as good as it could be. It won't be excellent. And that's it. Okay? So, here's what we want to do after a long morning. We, I want us to take a, uh, just a minute to pray and reflect on this. So, um, if you can close your eyes and not fall asleep and pray with me, I invite you to do that this morning. And this is going to take a lot on your part later. We threw a lot of stuff your way this morning. And if you just kind of tuck it in the Bible and come back next week, you won't have looked into your life, peered into your life, and said, Jesus, what needs to be transformed? Do it. You won't do that. And you'll be wearing a coat that's too big and is not as good as it could be. So, Father, we thank you that this morning that you've challenged us, you've challenged me, you've challenged this place to walk wisely, to make the most of our time because we don't have a lot of it. There's a lot to be accomplished, Jesus. We pray that you would enable us to accomplish it and that you would convict each and every one of us in this room to walk a little more wisely tomorrow, to pursue things a little bit less and to pursue you a little bit more and so on and so on. We pray that you would transform our lives. I pray that you would speak a very specific message to each one of us as we leave this place. And we thank you that your love is unconditional. Nothing earns it, nothing keeps it, nothing loses how much that you love, how much you love us. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.